If you're a fan of big ideas, debate, and politics, check out our festival partner, Geopolitical Magazine Foreign Policy. A forum for informed debate about global affairs, foreign policy keeps a finger on the pulse of world news and political happenings. Beyond articles that delve behind the headlines via traditional reporting, Foreign Policy has so many other products to offer, ensuring that no matter how you like to engage with eye-opening content, there is a method for you. Check out their free offerings, like Foreign Policy Live, their forum for live journalism, newsletters, and podcasts. And with a subscription, unlock in-depth features and quarterly magazines, including their recently dropped spring edition, All About India. Fans of IAI will love Foreign Policy for more of the mind-expanding, insightful content that they seek. To explore their content, take advantage of an exclusive discount for IAI fans. Subscribe now using promo code LIGHT24 to save 50% and unlock access to everything Foreign Policy has to offer. Thanks for listening to this Institute of Art and Ideas podcast, bringing you philosophy for our times. Here at the IAI, we're committed to taking philosophy out of dusty books and lecture halls and into the heart of public life. If you enjoy this debate and want to carry on the discussion, or watch over a thousand more debates and talks on all the latest issues in philosophy, science, politics and arts, visit iai.tv. Remember to subscribe and review on iTunes. to be investigating the nature and the value of democracy. The assumption in the West is generally that democracy guarantees personal and political freedoms. And yet governments around the world, which may not put such a value on those ideas, equate the right to vote with democracy. Russia and Iran come to mind. And here in the UK, parliamentary opinion may be entirely out of step with public opinion on an issue such as hanging. So, is democracy illusory and incoherent, or is an ideal democracy yet to be realised? Democracy is a means, it's not an end. And it's a means who progressively and aggressively isn't achieving its end. <coughs> Unfortunately, I think democracy is in trouble across the globe, and actually indeed quite close to home. It's no longer looking capable of delivering social justice. So the claims that what we need in an era of high inequality, um, rising social fragmentation, is more democracy, I think misses the mark. Democracy doesn't seem able to counter the growing rise of monopolies, oligarchs, capture of assets and wealth, and it seems completely incapable of arresting the rise in inequality. Moreover, I think that's because democracy has lost its foundation in something that isn't democratic. In order for there to be a proper functioning democracy, paradoxically, what democracy needs is hierarchy. What I mean by that is what any society has to decide upon are what are the values it as a society wishes to pursue via a democratic method. What are its goods? What are the objective goods that it seeks to realise and distribute to all of its citizens? And unless you have a hierarchy of goods, unless you decide you know, what is good, the, what is healthy over ill health, what is good over evil, what type of society you're going to be, if you just have democracy without the prior discussion on the hierarchical modes you need, all you will have is political polarisation and fragmentation. 
Indeed, if you look at something like America that has lost any um, shared foundational values now, the levels of political polarization are the highest since records have began. If you look at Pew Research, very respected organization, Americans now, now, depending on which political party they align themselves with, have trouble deciding if the sun has risen or not. And by that I mean they are fundamentally disagree on a level that actually will deeply weaken their society and make them incapable of dealing with some of the endemic conditions and problems that they face, like how they treat the bottom third of their society, for example. So what we actually need and what we now lack, I think, in Europe uh, and at large are a system of objective goods that we want the democratic system to realise. And it's the loss of that um, foundational uh, discussion uh, that I would argue is founded both in the tradition of Greece and the, and the Judeo-Christian tradition, all of which were revolutionary. And then if you kind of wince internally at that, <coughs> let's just remember that it was the Greeks who arguably gave us, first of all, democracy, and it's the Jewish and Christian tradition that first gave us the concept of equality. In human history, before Judaism, there was no account of equality. When you think of uh, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, that's the first uh, account of equality in human recorded thought. So what I want to suggest to you is that if that's the origin, that's what we no longer are able to deliver. Now what this means is that if, if I, I would argue, without those foundational values, you cannot pursue social justice. And democracy now has become the plaything of, of the wealthy and of vested interest and powers. And that's why increasingly people are voting for non-democratic outcomes in order to achieve social justice. Look at Russia, for example. I know it's inexplicable to those of you who aren't Russian, but Putin is enormously popular because he is seen as having rescued the country from the rule of the oligarchs, which was what democracy under Yeltsin brought about. Democracy under Yeltsin brought about the complete capture of the assets of the country. And he, as the Tsar, uh, which in essence is what he is, promised to actually stop the inequality that democracy brought. And people voted for him in large numbers. And people increasingly are doing something similar all across the world. That, in large part, is what Donald Trump uh, represents. Donald Trump represents people who've lost out from globalization, people who fear they were about to lose out from globalization. He is assembling the alliance of the middle and the lower classes precisely because what's offered no longer delivers. And if you doubt that democracy is in trouble, just look up on your smartphones the Economist Democracy Index. According to them, only 20 countries in the world are full democracies. That's just 8.9% of the population. Uh, roughly over a third of the world's population lives in totalitarian countries. And the really frightening future, I think, is people will increasingly vote for totalitarian options because democracy is unable to deliver on the, on the aims of stability and security. And that's the danger we face. And unless we recover our Western values, and unless we escape from the sort of social relativism or simplistic calls for more democracy, we are not going to be immune to these forces. Philip is quite right, of course, that there are grave social problems and injustices that desperately need to be overcome. And in across the Western world and elsewhere are, are, are becoming ever greater. Where he's profoundly mistaken, in my opinion, is to blame democracy for it. The, the problem is not democracy, it's too little democracy that lies at the roots 
um, of these problems. Now, I'm a universalist. Uh, I'm not a moral relativist who believes that some cultures are innately unable to have uh, democracy. I think it's a universal good that citizens should be sovereign, uh, that they should determine the future freely of their own country, that they should have universal rights and freedoms, including the protection of minorities. That's not something which I think is good only for certain people. I think that's good uh, for humanity um, as a whole. And I think democracy is something which was fought for from below. You know, it, it's not something I believe that should be brought about through cruise missiles or uh, through through bullets. It was um, Robespierre, I think, who said, nobody likes missionaries with bayonets. And if we think about our own country, apologies for those who saw me yesterday, it's a bit repetitive, but it is an important point that everything we have was not given to us by the goodwill and generosity of the powerful. They didn't wake up one day and think, oh, I'm feeling generous, I'll give women the vote for laugh. People had to organise, often at great cost, and at great sacrifice, our democracy was forged through generations of struggle, through people who were persecuted and marginalised, even tortured and, of course, murdered. And we should never forget that tradition. It's a proud tradition of people who stood up against injustice. And we owe it to them to defend the rights and freedoms that they fought for at such cost and to extend those rights and freedoms. The problem, and this is the problem which Philip is alluding to, it's that democracy today exists, clearly. I wouldn't be able to just spout out like this if it didn't and vote in, a, in elections according to my own conscience. But democracy is increasingly corrupted and undermined. And that's because of the concentration of wealth and power in very few hands. And the democratic sphere has shrunk because governments have increasingly abdicated their powers to the market, to grand multinational uh, corporations who increasingly have large sway over the future destiny, if you like, of our own uh, societies. And we could talk about elements of that. You know, we have a press which is, we talk about the free press, and in the sense it's not controlled by the government, that's true, we're not North Korea, not an ambitious place to start. And I don't want to you know, belittle that point because journalists are tortured and murdered in other countries, but our press is run by a very small group, largely, of very rich media moguls who use their dominance, if you like, of the press to wield huge political influence, which they do very successfully. We could think about the role of big money in funding political parties, but above all else, of course, the Conservative Party, half of its funding or thereabouts comes uh, from the City of London. We could talk about the role of lobbying, of corporate interests behind closed doors through very sophisticated forms of lobbying who achieve uh, political influence. A revolving door where ministers, for example, your Secretary of State for Health, uh, who ends up working for uh, private healthcare companies or defence ministers who end up working for defence companies, exploiting their knowledge and experience, if you like, to give those particular corporate entities uh, ever greater sway over our democracy. And another example, which I raised before, if again, if people were here, I apologise, but the Transatlantic Trade Investment Partnership, which our government has been the most assiduous or the most passionate in supporting, which thankfully, hopefully, lies in ruins because people protested against it. And what that would do is give corporations the ability to sue elected governments in secret courts for policies they don't like. The same, we saw a similar treaty in Australia where a tobacco company, Philip Morris, sued them for introducing plain cigarette packaging. The sovereign decision of the Australian people, but nonetheless went against the corporate interests of big tobacco. So our democracy is in peril, but it is a precious thing. And if we diminish democracy, if we argue for less democracy, the only people who will, who will flourish, who will 
will benefit from such a thing will be those large accountable interests which democracy was all about driving back in the first place to give the population, the majority, huge say instead and control over those corporate interests. So yes, Philip's right, but he could not about the problems of growing injustice, but he could not be more profoundly wrong and dangerously wrong when he advocates less democracy, when we need more power devolved to the people to challenge these big corporate interests who increasingly have power over our lives. Well, I'm more on Owen's side of the argument than Phillips. I agree with quite a bit of what Owen said, particularly... That's in worrying the, in, for both of us, Mike. In the first part of, of his analysis. But as, uh, and I don't think any of us are going to make exaggerated claims for democracy. As Churchill once said, uh, democracy is the worst possible form of government, except for all the others. And I, I think that just about sums it up. And at the moment, it's not going through a brilliant patch. Um, I spent most of last week in Washington, um, and I've got bad news for all of us because I've come to the conclusion that Trump is going to win the presidential election. Uh, that's a spectacle that fills me with horror. Um, and apologies to those who were at the last talk, but I think uh, the best verdict was to be found in an obituary in the Richmond Times-Dispatch in Virginia, which read, um, faced with the prospect of voting for Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, Mary Ann Langton chose instead to pass into the eternal loving care of God. I think that, uh, that, that just about um, sums it up. Um, but um, if, you, um, if you want to rail against the things which Owen railed against, which you perceive as the things which need to be fixed in our society, democracy gives you the opportunity of doing so. And uh, I think the only other point I would want to make, uh, and again, apologies to those of you who were in the previous um, session, uh, but if you really care about democracy, and if you really care about the ability of our people to control their destiny as much as possible in this difficult world, then you have to vote for us to leave the European Union on June the 23rd. <laughs> because... That is the only way in which our parliament will once again be able to make our laws without worrying about the European Commission or the European Court of Justice, in which our courts will be supreme and will not be subordinate to the European Court of Justice, and which we will once again be able to take decisions on important issues like uh, immigration. The, the referendum is not about the level of immigration into our country. It's not about that. It's about who should decide the level of immigration into our country. There are many people with arguments which, which say we need the current level of immigration and they're substantive arguments. There are those who disagree. I believe it's an issue which we ought to be able to decide for ourselves in this country. That's what democracy is all about. The debate. Theme one. Let's be clear, I'm not arguing against democracy, and, and Owen's wrong, I didn't say I want less democracy. I said we can have lots more democracy, but it won't make the differences you want, which is a different So point. what should we do instead then well, to what reach I, the what outcomes I, that what you I want? want to explain, what I want to kind of get across is can we just stop saying democracy and then clapping like Pavlovian dogs as if, as if, as if somehow this will produce the world we want. 
what I'm trying to say to you is it won't. It won't produce the world that you want. We can have Owen's world and be very much like the world in which we live in. Now, I might support workers' representations on business councils. Indeed, I have done. And I've advocated local democracy uh, at all points. And, and the government, I'm very grateful, has adopted it. It was my idea to devolve powers to Manchester. I'm a full Democrat, but it doesn't work by itself. Democracy by itself will not deliver the social justice everyone in this tent wants. Well, I mean, I'm, I was unclear then, to say the least, about your original argument, Philip, not for the first time, but um, I, I think because... It's complex. Be, uh, because <laughs> it's, it's abstract, certainly. Um, and I, rea I realise simplicity simply saying the same thing over and over again is I know, is, well, is easy to agree no, no one has a higher opinion of himself than philip but anyway the the point the point i would say uh, about that is you you did argue obviously that democracy was responsible for many of these problems that's the case you made it was responsible at the root cause of these problems and the argument i was making was that democracy actually is the, the the lack of democracy all democracy means because you say it won't end up creating the world that we want well obviously it you know in terms of the world we all want will differ by definition democracy is a way of managing those differences and the point about it is it's the best possible vehicle for creating the world in which we want because by definition it gives sovereignty to the people to determine their own destiny if you have less democracy all that means in practice by definition is uh, surrendering power to unaccountable, powerful interests who will, on your behalf, decide what is in your best interest. Michael and Hale. that is something which has I'm, terrible I'm consequences. I'm very keen to come in because this is the first time ever that I agree with every single word yeah. that Owen Jones has just said. That, that, that Do not that. put that in my obituary. <laughs> just <by laughs> that, is, that is not something that is necessarily likely to happen ever again. Uh, uh, and if I can be a sort of calming, moderating influence between the <laughs> two that, gentlemen my on my left and, <laughs> and, and, and my right. Philip said it is, in the outset that democracy only works if you have an agreed set of common objectives, of common values. Common goods. Common goods. And um, my question is, who's going to agree them? Who is going to... Because you won't get unanimity on those common goods. And the only way in which you can resolve what should be the common goods is by giving the people whose future is affected the right to decide. And that's what democracy well, is all about. Let, let, me, let me, and I apologize for, for going to this level, but I think the situation demands it. Let me just <laughs> you pluck some simple examples from history. The Nazis were voted in. Pause. Ah, yes, that's true. Let's also remember that all the great thinkers on democracy said there is a problem with democracy. And the problem with democracy is Plato, tyranny of the majority. What do we do if people decide to do all sorts of things to unpleasant, uh, unpleasant things to people who are on the losing side of that vote? Now, I think you should, what should also give you pause for thought is both Owen and Michael agree with each other. And what I want to suggest to you is what both Owen and Michael represent is conventional left and conventional right and what conventional left and conventional right have failed to deliver is a world very different from the one in which we inhabit they have failed to tackle well, the real let me finish let me finish and 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 you can come in and agree with each other again um <laughs> and and everyone will applaud and will and all will be well um 
so, so what I wanted to, what I wanted to suggest to you is is that democracy by itself will not deliver. And as chatting with Anatole Kletsky uh, before, the type of democracy that we have is increasingly dangerous. The call for direct democracy, which I think works on the more local level, increasingly destroys representative or discerning democracy, where you actually have to balance different demands against other demands. What I'm trying to say, and again, I think Michael is profoundly wrong, the West was built upon a shared concept of value. The only reason we have human rights is because we agreed on what was right. The trouble with rights, when we remove that discourse, is you can't decide on rights. I and when one right, I'll just finish, when one right conflicts with another, it's power that decides. And what I'm saying to you is democracy needs something else in order to deliver, in order to work. Now, I'll leave it there and we can hear, yes, all we need is more democracy and you can all applaud again, well, but Owen, just Owen, think I, I on that. I pick up from what Philip's been saying. In a sense, if you believe in more democracy, why hasn't the democracy that we've got achieved some of the aims that you want? Why well, have corporate interests been able to, if you like, accrue power? Well, well, firstly, just to break up this cosy cartel which you're trying to construct, <laughs> uh, if you like. Um, oh, sorry about uh, his reputation going um, forward. Um, we, we may, obviously, I don't think it's surprising that people in the abstract believe in democracy and are Democrats. There's nothing surprising about that. And people across the, the political spectrum will agree that people should be sovereign, should have universal rights and freedoms, and should be uh, the, the masters of their own destiny. No, I don't think Very that's surprising. Very good so far. But, but <laughs> however, what my, of course, my argument is that our democracy has been undermined because governments of which, of course, Michael had was a leading uh, member, surrendered the sovereignty of this country to large multinational corporations and to the market. And that's the point I'm making. Now, in terms of, in terms of what was the specific point you wanted me to address? There's one specific point. The, the idea that why hasn't democracy... Oh, I see. Well, it has, of course, it has achieved so much that I want. Without democracy, we wouldn't end up the National Health Service, the welfare state, workers' rights, equality for LGBT people or anti-racism, strides against uh, misogyny and sexism. These are all achieved because people organised together and forced the powerful to concede. They drove back powerful interests. Now, I would argue in the last 30, 40 years, there's been a fight back by powerful interests. They've, the democratic realm, which was fought for at such cost and such sacrifice, is being diminished once again. But the root cause, as I've said, is not democracy. All democracy is, is sovereignty of the people and the ability to determine your own future freely. That is all it is. And anything else is just surrendering power to powerful interests. And nobody can argue Michael otherwise, because that's literally all it means. Yeah, and and if you right. believe, um, which obviously I don't, but if you believe in Owen's analysis of what's happened in the last 40 years and, and, and what the government of which I was a member did, if you believe in that, the answer is to exercise your democratic right oh, and turf us out. <laughs> and of course, um, that's what you did in 1997. You turfed us out, and then you get you got fed up of Labour eventually and you turfed them out. And the great thing about our democracy is that when you get fed up with the governments you have elected, you can kick us out. Well, that makes you the masters. That's the point of it all. You kick, one, you kick out one elite and the elites remain the same. Um, the, the, point, the, the, the point is, is that democracy by itself will not shift because what, what is needed to shift, and I repeat that, is 
is a prior settlement. You can just what could easily fit into what both Michael and Owen argued for is a racist polity, and that isn't happening. Blimey. That's that is well. There's a country called France, right? And there's a party called Front National, and they're very close, especially in a PR system, to doing very well indeed. Let's and by no, no, no. Let me just. So what? What's absent? What's absent entirely from from what both Owen and Michael are saying is the content of democracy. Do you want to hear more from the world's leading thinkers? If the answer to that question is yes, subscribe to iai.tv for unlimited access to thousands of debates, talks, articles, academy courses and live events. Are you bored of the surface level news, politics, sports and entertainment coverage on your newsfeed? Go deeper, get the philosophy behind the news and get the latest big ideas from the world's leading thinkers on subjects at the core of the human condition, life, the universe and everything in between. It's free for the first month, and there's no commitment to pay, so subscribe now to understand the world beyond the surface level. Theme two. Because I want to talk about democracy in practice and the fact that voters don't perhaps always do what the pundits assume they will do or what they think they should do. Donald Trump is the prime example of that, where the establishment of the Republican Party is frankly horrified, a lot of them, by the man that has been chosen by the people. In Turkey, President Erdogan's curbing the, the press, uh, all sorts of humanitarian, human rights, but actually he remains enormously popular. If you put sometimes issues to the electorate, put a vote to them, they don't do what the politicians want. So voting in and of itself doesn't necessarily deliver the democracy that people think they want. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily deliver the outcome that people want, and it often delivers very inconvenient results. But having been on the losing side on several <laughs> elections, um, I couldn't agree with that proposition more. As uh, one famous American politician once said after he'd been defeated in an election, the people have spoken, damn them. But in the end, people have the right to decide. And it won't always give, give you the result that Ritterler you'd like, or I'd like, or Owen would like. But the people decide. That's the point of it all. I mean, that point about a racist polity, by the way, in terms of uh, that's the logical conclusion. Racism used to be far more endemic and institutionalised in this country. The reason it was driven back and we ended up with legislation specifically to tackle racism was because of democracy, which gave people the ability to organise, put pressure on politicians, to legislate, to deal with it. So it is not the case. If we ended up with a dictatorship for the last few centuries, we would be far more racist than we are today. Now, the other point in terms of... You can answer, Philip, in a minute, don't worry. But in terms of the problem, of course, is at the moment, because of the failures of many politicians to deal with the social and economic insecurities of millions of people because of the fact that we ended up giving so much power to the financial sector and then the consequences we're now suffering today, there is massive seething resentment sweeping across the Western world. And that is inevitably being exploited uh, by right-wing xenophobic populist movements. And we're seeing that, of course, in the United States. And it is up in a democracy for those of us who abhor the likes of Donald Trump and what they stand for, uh, and not to be defeatist and say it's inevitable he'll win, but to organise and come up with a positive, inspiring vision that can defeat him. And, and that is what democracy enables us to do. But if it wasn't for democracy, you'd end up with Donald Trump's, whether you liked it or not. And lots of countries have ended up with even more demagogic figures than Donald Trump, largely through the barrel of a gun. Democracy at least makes it possible to have elected politicians who are responsive to the majority. And what Philip hasn't told us 
is what his alternative to democracy no, is. No, I, I could do it at, at length, and it's not an alternative. It's what would make... It's an addition. The point I mean, what's really lacking in both of these... I mean, it, it's ahistorical, it's, it's shockingly simplistic. The fa the, I, I know that's unpleasant, but it's true. We are in a situation where people are actively voting for dictatorships. They're actively voting for authoritarians. <laughs> Your point about Erdogan is a very, very good point. We're in a situation where cultures are forming that see democracy as the vehicle for the vested interests that Owen, I think, rightly talks about. And democracy is incapable of dealing with it. Democracy is incapable of countering those vested interests. And, and that's because those vested interests in a democracy exercise real power and I agree that they should be contained and made more democratic but I don't think it would shift things. There's a prior debate that we need to have and just shouting more democracy and assuming and assuming. Oh and if I can side with Philip for a moment yeah. here in a very impartial way if you look at the Front National in, uh, in France, if you look at uh, the government in Hungary, if you look at the Aust recent Austrian presidential election there Poland. is evidence, Poland, the Law and Justice Party, that actually democracy is being used by, as a vehicle by yeah. parties that... See, people, so just people, people choose. Look, no one suggests that democracy is going to give you a perfect result every time. It and doesn't. I'm not, I'm, I'm it doesn't. Suggest, I'm not suggesting... What I'm suggesting isn't to be... I'm not a, I'm, let me repeat. Obviously, you have to do this three or four times. I am not opposed to democracy. I am a Democrat. But what worries me is the kind of... The pure demo democracy that, that Owen's offering us, what we need is more democracy. Let's democratise the kitchen, let's democratise mowing the lawn. You know, this will really deliver. Does anyone really remember deliver. me arguing that? Um, Put your hands up if you remember me arguing yeah, no, that. No, no. Show of hands. The, this will not deliver the world we want. Let's look at the British system. Uh, just what I would argue, let me argue two points. Um, first of all, if you look at both the Magna Carta and the American Revolution, what they really were, in terms of democratic things, were a baron's charter, a charter for the baronial class to exercise power, and we now lord that as, as the great advance. If you look at the enclosure movement, and, and I, I agree with the left on enclosure, what happened in Britain is essentially an acquisitive baronial class seized common land and created a propertyless class. Now, it what? Wasn't democracy. Well, exactly. but. but uh, <laughs> It was a democracy because it was a democracy for those who are vested. And if you, look at, if you look at, if you look at, if you look at the world we live in today, the poor don't vote. Those who are lower down the social economic scale don't vote. But, what, uh, but let me make this point. That what, what happened to try to reverse uh, enclosure is that the monarch made common cause with the people. And the monarch made common cause with the people. If you go into the House of Commons, you'll see the Star Chamber. It was, it was invented by Thomas More to reverse the capture of property. And the monarch made cause with the people because the monarch upheld the general good of the people. And democracy does not and is not Philip, committed Philip. to the general good of the people. And unless you have institutions that do that, democracy can deliver dictatorship. Philip, as, as for the Magna Carta, you know, we can all read Wikipedia. I think we all know what the Magna Carta was. And with, with, all, with all due respect, you know, you say you accuse your opponents of being simplistic. I rarely heard such a simplistic argument based on straw men and generalisations and contradictions in my entire life. That's because you and, don't understand and, it. No, you, it's, it's always the case. For people who have confidence in an absurd argument that they just don't think people are intelligent enough to read more widely, to read of, okay, Philip, I'll I'll try and do that, you know. But I think we can all pepper. I can our give you a book list with with full full 
of hyperbole and uh, and, and and pretentious well, just to answer uh, the argument. Terms. But the point I was going to make, again, you're riddled with contradictions because you say you you're haven't for pointed democracy. any out. Well, I'll give you an example of that. You talk, for example, uh, about uh, the, the consequences in bygone eras where power was concentrated in the hands of propertied individuals and the terrible consequences that caused. And that was because of a lack of democracy. It was because the majority were unable to protect themselves because they had no voice in society. And, what and the we way of preventing now? that from happening, well, you talk again, to, and just to point out yet another of your contradictions, you're absolutely right that the poorer you are, the less likely you are to vote. The universal franchise was fought at great cost and great sacrifice and is now unwinding by stealth. The people who need democracy more are the least likely to vote. But the argument then obviously is for more democracy, which is to mobilize and inspire those people to take part in the democratic process who are currently being failed by the vested interests which have subverted and corrupted our democracy. So the argument is obvious, it's not to collectivize. I don't know what this whole point about voting on lawnmowers or whatever. Well, I just thought the point is to the point well again we can all just make up, you know, arguments of the opponent. Uh, but, no, but it doesn't make it any an sense. Argument. But well no, nothing you've offered is an argument. But the point I was making <laughs> is is what we're arguing for is to give people the greatest possible say over the running of their own lives. And that means inspiring and mobilizing those who feel completely alienated because of the concentration of wealth and power very few hands, which in other words is less democracy. I mean just define your terms. What do you even mean? By democracy, what is well, democracy? Look, look Aaron, I, I realise it's difficult, but try oh, to follow. Um, <laughs> right. It's not I'm, difficult, I, it's I, just I, muddled. I, it's just gibberish. It's just, we can all string words together randomly and call it a complex argument. It's very simple. There's a problem, there's a problem if you just endorse democracy and say what we need is more democracy and you have no answer and I haven't heard any answer of what you do when democracies vote for racist parties, for sectarian parties, for all manner of very extreme outcomes. What do you which do? is what yes, which actually, is let's, let's what's turn happening. The corner Theme three. What is the alternative? Is the future does it have to be democratic or are there viable alternatives? No, I don't. I'm a strong believer in democracy, but what I worry is that what, we're, what we've got on offer is a simplistic uh, offer that if we just have democracy, the rest will but follow Philip, and it won't. Isn't and, and democracy what, more than just casting a vote? Isn't it all about the institutions? Demo democracy, democracy needs needs plurality in the system. So the British system is a system of constitutional monarchy where you have different forms of democracy operating together. So you try to get more plural so outcomes. So it's more than just voting? It's definitely more than just voting. You need different methods of voting. You need different different groups that also have power, not just one elected group of politicians. And you need regions and localities to have power. But That's what you also democracy. need, what you also Isn't need is, is the debate on the value set that that society is trying to achieve. And if you don't have that, all you will have is relentless polarisation and a breakdown into rich and poor and uh, racial categories, which is what we've got now. Yeah. What, so what, what first, firstly, when you say democracy comes up with outcomes we do not like, of course we know that. And Poland is one example, Turkey is one example. But, I mean, what's your alternative? To stage a coup d'etat and install a dictatorship? I presume not. I'm not inventing a straw man like you would do. Instead, the only option is to organise democratically in order to offer an alternative that can challenge it. What Philip's saying, I think, is yeah. that beyond that, you need a basis of common values, mm -hmm. which is something that is being broken down in exactly. society, in order for democracy to and, function. And, and the 
and there's no way you can decide that other than through democracy. Philip has, look, Philip has put up this straw man it's and he said, it's democracy it's doesn't solve all our problems, therefore it's a bad thing. No, we're not suggesting it I solves all our problems. It obviously thing. doesn't solve all our problems. It's, it, it can deliver bad outcomes. But it's the best possible solution and to the questions of government we have. Just there is no better just, alternative. Just, just, and he hasn't established well, an alternative. Of course there is no other. Of course he doesn't have an alternative. But the point he's actually making was more devolution of power regionally and locally, which is something I passionately advocate on the basis of extending democracy to give people more say over the running of their lives. And this is this bizarre contrarian nihilism where you're saying things which sound quite shocking. Hey, everyone, I'm going to say something really shocking and contrarian. Democracy, you all probably like democracy, don't you? When it doesn't really achieve what you want. And then have no alternative except to argue effectively we need more regional devolution, which is more democracy anyway. Bless you, Owen. I mean... Um, <laughs> What I've been saying, and what Owen obviously can't hear or, or grasp... Nobody can is, hear. Um, <laughs> is, ...is that democracy by itself is not enough. That we need a values debate about the type of objective values we want to realise as a society as a whole. If we don't have that debate, the system, what will happen is those shared values with the pressures of globalisation, with modernisation, will essentially dissipate and we will divide. And that is what is happening in America. And what we need are different forms of institutions that can help create common and shared values. Uh, there's a very good book on, uh, by Mark Mazowitzer in, uh, called Dark Continent, who is a historian um, at the University of Sussex, and he, he asked the question quite rightly, why in the 1920s and 1930s did all of Europe fall into fascism or communism, and why didn't Britain? And the argument he put forward, and I think he's right, is Britain had developed organic institutions that ran parallel with democracy, that created a shared set of common values that sectarians and fascists and communists couldn't divide, and that's what saved British democracy, and that's what we need to create now those new and existing institutions that enable us to form common bonds that will stop people Philip, dividing us. There are shared Hope values. That's clear. There are shared values. If one of the things that's helped us, particularly in the last few generations the way you described, are precisely universal values in Britain, namely a shared value of democracy and shared values of universal rights and freedoms that our ancestors fought for at great cost. We may disagree. Look, this is an example. You've tried to turn this into a cartel here. We have aggressively different opinions. We strongly disagree on the way British society should be run. But what links us together, at least in the abstract, is a common shared value system based on democracy and rights and freedoms that our ancestors fought for. So you talk about the need for shared values, but the point is they exist to a large degree in any case in the abstract, and that is precisely a universal values of democracy, human rights, rights and freedoms. Right, so let, let and we establish those values through the democratic process. That's how we decide on our shared values. We if we don't like th someone else's values, we have the opportunity to argue against them and to vote against them and to kick them out if they've got the wrong values. It's through democracy that we establish those Demo shared Demo values. Democracy doesn't establish those values. It grows out of those values and reinforces them. And, and of course, I agree with that, and that's right. But what I want to speak to is I'm arguing that we're at a much more vulnerable and dangerous juncture. 
And Owen, when he argues for human rights, isn't wrong to argue for human rights, but I'm saying we're now at a situation where we don't know what those rights are. We can't decide between competing rights, and we don't know what makes rights right. And we live in a world where everybody now is claiming rights. They grow daily by the day, and we have no way of deciding which is the most important right. So for instance, we. If you look at Britain today, who uh, are the most oppressed group? Who are the ones who are doing the worst? Well, aside from the, from the Romani, it's white working class men. And who captures the debate around victimhood? People who don't argue for white working class men. We're people who argue uh, for feminism. I'm a agree with feminism, I think it's right, but I think what is most pressing are the needs of white working class males. That's what's our greatest priority. So if you don't have a foundational narrative about the type of shared values you have, all that will happen is powerful groups will capture one set of rights and advocate them. And that won't be what's right. We need a prior debate and prior institutions to shape that. And given that that's no longer here, all we will do is what's happened in America is break into competing political camps that have extreme, increasingly extremist views. But and we're not going to be able to talk to one to another. To reiterate the question that has mm. been raised before, who is it that will decide those shared values? Isn't it the democratic process that ultimately delivers values? Well, uh, the, shared, the democratic vote process doesn't necessarily deliver shared values. It can deliver the will of the majority over the minority. And there's no necess necessity that it's shared. And actually, if you look across the world, that's often what democracy does. So Burmese democracy is great for the Burmese, but it's not good for uh, Muslim minorities, for instance, in that country. So what is required that democracy can complete its task are the, sh are the shared values and the institutions that live, can deliver but it. But when you live in a country where there are mm. many religions, yep. uh, uh, where there are many competing interests, is it possible in a sort of uh, idealised 1950s way, and I'm not sure that time ever existed, but let's describe it as such, to come up with a common set of values, an agenda that the vast oh, majority so. of people will divide into left and right and will say, yeah, that's the but common ground. I think, well, left and right aren't permanent. They only arises from the time of the French Revolution. And, and I think left and right are already breaking down. I mean, Trump isn't, Trump argues for a socialised healthcare system. For example, Trump argues for many of the things that Owen argues about the consequences of extreme economic uh, migration of jobs and workers. So we're already in the in that breakdown. And I'm the real optimist because I think people can form universals together, can form those value sets. All democracy is is the methodology. If the people are divided, all democracy will deliver you is more division. I, I want to defend Owen. Because it's bad Don't, enough. Please. It's bad enough that he's, <laughs> yeah. it's bad enough that he's agreed with Ian. Now he's being lumped in with Trump. Yeah. I think I think that's extremely unfair. Uh, thank you, Michael. Uh, now, <laughs> now, um, so just two 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 points there again. Now, firstly, in terms of talking about shared values, they can only be decided democratically because, again, the only alternative is people will do it on your behalf, unaccountable elites. And that's not only unjust, it will mean by definition what they decide will not be shared values. Because nobody, millions of people, aren't going to go, oh, these values these people have decided on my behalf, and now the values that I have a stake in. Unless people have a stake in values, because they've helped to create and shape them, which is democracy in action, then they won't be shared values. And the second point, you have a caricature of democracy if you present it solely as the tyranny of the majority over the minority. Actually, democracy, what it does in its functioning form is protect minorities. That's what our country has done 
because of the democratic process. So LGBT people, uh, whether it be, uh, wi not women, women are the majority in Britain, but whether it be uh, people of, uh, of different backgrounds, they're protected by legislation precisely because in a democracy, people could organize to force that to happen. If you end up with dictatorships, if you want a, a situation where minorities and Burma, in Burma, Muslims have been oppressed for a very long time under the dictatorship. Now, that's not been solved now, of course it hasn't, but the guarantee they will be persecuted in perpetuity is to have a dictatorship which is unaccountable to any sections of the population altogether. And the only way of protecting minorities is to give them the ability to have a voice in society, which only democracy can do. Right, right. Right. Thank you for listening to this Institute of Art and Ideas podcast. If you enjoyed this debate and want to carry on the discussion, visit iai.tv. Remember to subscribe and review on iTunes.